Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the latest edition of Circling the Bases. I'm DJ Short, and with me here once again is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We're live on Twitch this afternoon, so thanks for those hanging out with us over there. And if you're listening in podcast form or watching later on YouTube, we're recording Monday afternoon. Coming out of another interesting weekend of MLB action no shortage of uh, storylines to get into here, Scott. Unfortunately, uh, at the top here, a bunch of them will be injuries, which we never like to see. Yeah, um, I settled in Sunday. Going to watch a Masters. Going to watch baseball. I've had the TV on for five minutes, and O'Neill Cruz is, you know, is writhing in pain at home plate. Nobody likes to yep. see that. He's a young ascending talent for a Pirates team that got off to a hot start. Not that, you know, we can take that much from eight or nine games, but I mean, they had been playing really well and he's their signature guy, right? He's the guy ostensibly they're building around Um, broken ankle. He's already had surgery on the ankle, but we're talking about maybe, you know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, and that might even be optimistic. So, and I know we're going to try to get people some replacements for O'Neill Cruz. I thought shortstop was a deep position during draft season, but I was kind of disappointed when I was looking through what might be available for people. And, I, and I'm going to give out some names that I'm sure people will be like, I can't get him. He's long gone, but I'm going to try to help, you know, and I know you're going to have some ideas too, but um, for a position I thought was deep a, a month ago or two weeks ago, it's funny how in season that stuff dries up. Right. Good call. Good call. So before we get into that, just a reminder, every season is draft season. Get your Roto world draft guide bundle today. And dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Rotoworld draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry, B E R R Y, and save an extra 20% at checkout. Again, that's promo code Barry, and get that Rotoworld draft guide bundle today. Uh, we're approaching NFL draft. Then, before you know it, it'll be training camp. So, uh, get set, and uh, we can definitely help you out there. So, Scott, you mentioned the, the O'Neill Cruz thing. It I was just weird, too, like the the slide, I guess, if you want to call that in the home plate. I, it looked like he just got caught in between. It was more of like a slide slash stumble in the home plate. Uh, but it's a shame not just for you know fantasy players, but also uh, Pirates fans who haven't had a lot to cheer for in recent seasons, Cruz was, you know, saying in spring training, he was aiming for like a 30, 30, 40, 40 type of season. 
Uh, I don't know if we were going to see that, but certainly uh, one of the most exciting young players in the game. So even just from a baseball perspective, uh, certainly, uh, you know, disappointing to see that. So uh, internal replacement in Pittsburgh for Cruz, Rodolfo Castro, likely the regular option there. Castro appeared in 71 games last year, hit 233, 11 homers, 725 OPS, five steals and eight attempts. Actually amounted to a 102 OPS plus, so he's above average hitter, but uh, prone to the strikeout for sure, even in the minors, low on base percentage, uh, but a young hitter, 23 years old. There's some juice there. I don't know about him. Um, you know, your standard mixed league, 10, 12 team, you're probably not looking at Castro, but NL only, deeper mixed. I could see maybe taking a chance on Castro. Yeah, I think you outlined it well. At least there's a little bit of category juice there, and we know the yep. playing time is going to be his, you know, for about three months. So yep. in the deeper formats, you could you could do worse, um, you know, because the, the guys we're going to mention for the shallower mixed leagues are going to be long gone to you. So, and the other thing with Castro is because he wasn't playing because he was blocked by Cruz. I mean, he's available everywhere. So yeah, um, he's the type of guy that in, in those NL only formats and those really deep mixed leagues with, with big benches, he's the type of guy you might look at. Yeah. So let's get into some of these other alternatives. And and you said already, you know, the field of, I, and I was just looking strictly at middle infielders. Like, let's say you need to fill that even, mm-hmm. even that is kind of underwhelming. Um, you know, Bryson Stott, who's off to a decent start. Gene Segura, who, you know, can fill up some categories. Uh, John Birdie, I think, is somewhat interesting. He, uh, Joey Wendell's on the injured list with an oblique injury right now. So Birdie should play a bunch in that uh, Marlins infield. And we know what he can do when he, when he plays. He runs. And especially a season like this, you know, he may run every chance he gets. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of like Birdie maybe as a, as a short-term fill in there. You should try to piece it together. But I'm wondering what you're seeing too. Yeah, I'll first offer the, the cheat code pick. Um, if we go over, usually 50% is our cutoff. Yeah. I was really surprised that Nico Horner, Horner, if I have it right, is only 51% rostered in Yahoo. Yeah. I, I thought I would have guessed he would have been 70 or 80%. Yeah, he should be. So there's somebody who I, I think might be available in some of the shallower formats. Uh, you know, the more competitive leagues, obviously, he's wrong gone. I had Stott on my list. It's been mostly batting average. It hasn't been category juice for him. But he's a guy who yeah. showed th- – there was at least a case to be made for him that he was an ascending talent into this season. So I could see maybe picking up him. Brian Terang has been better than I expected in Milwaukee, showing good plate discipline. He's got some walks. He puts contact on the ball. And he's got playing time in Milwaukee. So he's a guy you can look at. I'll also say I liked Elvis Andrews. I know it was hard to reconcile who Elvis Andrews was because he was terrible in Oakland last year. And then he went to Chicago with White Sox. He was terrific for about a quarter of a season. He's off to a really bad start, and his roster tag is down to 17%. I'm not willing to give up on Andrews. I mean, you shouldn't be radically changing your opinion of that many players through nine games anyway. So the fact that he looks so good at the end of last year, Chicago is going to play him. He qualifies at second and shortstop. I'd be willing to kick the tires on him and give him two or three weeks and see where it goes. I do have some Andrew shares. I'm not dropping him for anybody right now, again, because this position isn't particularly deep. If you can just take the middle, if you don't necessarily need a shortstop, Isaac Paredes is off to a good start for the yeah. for the Rays. He hit, what, 20 home runs, I think it was, last year. He didn't have the greatest yeah. average. Now, I know Tampa Bay is an interesting team, right, because they're 9-0. and 
but you could not have played an easier schedule than the Nationals, the Tigers, and, and the Oakland A's. This is like one of those college basketball coaches who wants like the easiest schedule possible in November. <laughs> I don't know how Tampa Bay got the schedule. Eventually, they're going to have to play the Yankees and the Blue yeah. Jays, and then you know the Astros and the good teams in the American League. But um, so oh, look, they're awfully good anyway, and they have a lot of fantasy players that we're interested in. But maybe Isaac Paredes he just needs to bump that average up a little bit. We know the power will play. He has multiple positions of coverage. His tag was actually a little bit lower than I expected. I think it might have been under 10%. I agree. But yeah. he's somebody I'm rolling out in a 15-team league. We are Team Isaac. Me and my partner are, are throwing the Isaac double-point text messages at each other. A nod to Isaac Washington, the love boat, which is dating myself. But, um, yeah, Isaac Paredes, is. Uh, I have room for him in the deeper leagues. Colton Wong is off to a terrible start, mm-hmm. so maybe he's been dropped in some places. I th- I still think he's going to end up doing what he usually does, like pretty boring, maybe hits lead off for the Mariners and, and gets you some nice counting stats. So that's not a bad option. Like uh, Ha-Sung Kim mm-hmm. with the Padres too. Again, kind of boring profile fantasy-wise, but when it's all said and done, he'll probably be double-digit homers and steals and playing time safe. He qualifies all over, so... You're not going to replace O'Neill Cruz and, and what his upside is, but can you piece it together for a few months? I, I think it's it's certainly possible. Um, and, and when I initially heard, you know, fractured ankle for Cruz, I was like, oh, he's done for the year. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. Like maybe he'll be back in August, mid-August, something like that. So uh, there's still some hope here in the later part of the season, but – uh, hopefully you can find some options to get you through uh, to that time. And let me let me present one other alternative. Um, this is the two way thing, two way street. Okay, if your team has gotten off to a horrendous start with injuries, with underperformance, maybe if your league has say IL spots, but you already have your IL spots filled, maybe you trade O'Neill Cruz to somebody, the guy who's in mm. first place in your league, who has everything going right, who has no IL spots filled. And yeah. you, you make a trade where it's like, look, I need to get better now. You can sit on this asset and hope El No Cruz helps you for the final quarter of the season. Now, again, if you're up for a great start, maybe you can be the guy who swoops in, makes a low ball offer or just, you know, something you don't need off your bench. and think, well, if O'Neill Cruz gives me anything down the stretch, then it's a bonus. I'm just trading somebody I wasn't going to use anyway. I have this open IL spot. So it may be a case where if you need immediate help, maybe and I'm not saying give O'Neill Cruz away. I wouldn't want to drop him, although in some leagues maybe you might have to. But um, you can always think about trading him if you need immediate help. And if you can sit, if you're in position to where you can, you don't need the help right now, you don't have those IL spots filled, maybe he'd be somebody you could trade for on the cheap. These are, I always think this way, this is kind of a fantasy football move where when fantasy football players get hurt for me, and again, I it, it's I don't mean to treat these players like commodities. They're human beings. We're all O'Neill Cruz fans. He's a really fun player. He's the type of guy you could take, a, if you had like an aunt or an uncle who didn't like baseball at all, and you took them to a Pirates game, you said, who's the young player they're excited about? See if you can pick them out. They'd all pick out O'Neill Cruz. I mean, he just oh, jumps no off doubt. the page. He's mm-hmm. an exciting guy. He's a spectacle. I mean, he's capable of doing just about anything on a baseball field. You know, hit a home run, forward at 50 feet, break stack cast data. He's that kind of guy. But in fantasy yeah. football, when players get hurt for me, a lot of times I'll just try to trade out of the injury and keep my roster healthy, keep my roster more immediate to helping me right. at the, in the moment and not worry about later on, later on. So that's just a, a football strategy that you can maybe apply to baseball as needed. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about this this weekend, the kind of dichotomy between what makes a successful fantasy season or, or fantasy manager, is it the team that's just the healthiest, you know, over the course of the season? You could say that for like real baseball too, like the healthiest teams usually are there at the end of the year. 
And I think you could say that for fantasy too. Maybe not necessarily like the shallow leagues. Like you can you can overcome injury. The, the replacement level on the waiver wire is there. That if you get hit by injuries early, you still have a shot. But if you are in a deeper league where it's, you know, or an NL only, AL only type of league, if you lose one of these big time players, like that is devastating to get over. And some of that just comes down to dumb luck. For sure. I, I say sometimes I phrase it this way. I don't think you need to be the luckiest manager in your league to win. But if you're the unluckiest manager in that particular season, you're not going to win. It's just especially yes. as you said in the deeper formats where there's no replacement level. There's no, there's no replacement value on the wire. You just if you lose the wrong couple of guys, you're just kind of sunk. But right, you know, that's why that's why we play in multiple leagues, and that's why I think it wasn't that long ago where mixed leagues were kind of frowned upon. People like, oh, real fantasy is AL only or NL only. Well, first of all, whatever you want to play, that's fun for you. I, I encourage you to play it. But I think mixed leagues are fun because you have some replacement value because you have to know every team, you have to know all thirty teams, and. It's dep- I've been in AL only or NL only leagues where I've had injuries. Like, oh, I just lost the third baseman. Let's see what's on the wire. It's like, well, this guy had four at-bats and this guy had five at-bats. <laughs> this yeah. guy's a catcher, a backup catcher who qualifies at first base. You know, I, I, I don't want any of these guys. None of them have any upside, you know. Um, right. So I, that's why I like I like the mixed leagues. And I like you – know, it's, it's, isn't it funny, DJ, that the difference between a 12-team mixed league and a 15-team mixed league – we talked about this a little bit in preseason – it's so radically different, right? It the, is. the fab markets are kind of crazy in 12 team and 15 team. It's a little bit more structured. It's a little bit more straight line, but you're fighting over. I'm never surprised in a 12 teamer when I got somebody well under market, like, Oh, I'll just throw out a token bid. I'll never win. Oh, well, I won that guy. Where in the 15 team yes. league. If somebody's interesting, I feel like you're fighting the whole room. Exactly. No, it's, it's very true. And especially as these injuries start to pile up, Adam Duvall's another one we saw, over the weekend, of course, he's been one of the big fantasy stars over the first 10 days or so, hitting 455, four homers, 14 RBIs, 11 runs scored, leading the league in slugging percentage. But all that came to a screeching halt on Sunday when Duvall rolled his left wrist, attempting to make a diving catch in center field. Duvall was sent for x-rays, um, but it's worth noting, this is the same wrist which required season-ending surgery last July the Red Sox have already dispatched Bobby Dahlbeck to meet the team in Tampa. We don't know the results of that of the X-rays yet, but um, from all indications and you know what the Red Sox are planning for, sounds like an extended absence for Duvall, which is uh, definitely a bummer. Yeah, shame. You know, we talked a lot about him on this show. He's hit 30 home runs a number of times. He led the National League in RBIs just two seasons ago, and he looked like. I had a lot of FOMO for Duvall because it, it just seemed like yeah. after the season started, like this is so obvious. This guy has a bat that's going to fit the park nicely. He, we know he has power. The batting average, it's under what you'd want, but it's not so prohibitive that it's like he like kills your roster. I, I thought he was a, just a glaring ADP winner for people, and, and now that's yep. felled by a wrist injury. And as you said, he has history with that wrist. And look, there – any injury you're going to be concerned about, but we think about wrist injury. You just think about that being something that can linger or somebody comes back, the power doesn't come back right away. A lot of times guys, I remember last year, Alex Bregman came off wrist surgery and, you know, he really didn't hit for like three months of the year. So the problem now is not just how much time does the ball miss, but what kind of player are we getting when he returns? This is just a shame because it seemed like anybody who drafted Duvall had an obvious winner, a guy who could have really smashed his ADP. And now, you know, dive, you know, this goes to show players don't don't try to make diving catches. You know, we need you for the offense. I, 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 yeah. I smile, and you, know, you have to smile and whistle through the graveyard sometimes because it's just depressing. Adam Duvall looks like a big win, and, and now we have to replace him. 
Certainly. Um, some couple of catcher developments here. Travis Darno landed on the injured list with a concussion over the weekend. Uh, there was a con- collision at home plate. He he kind of lunged to catch a throw, and uh, Rubenen Odor p- appeared to you know hit him with either his thigh or hip. Uh, but it was a pretty pretty hard blow there, and it was actually the second collision that inning. Had one with Jake Cronenworth earlier, which wasn't nearly as severe. Uh, but uh, Darno has had three previous concussions, so uh, no reason to take a chance there. Um, what's interesting about the Braves, they've had this luxury of two really solid catchers in the early part of the season, Sean Murphy as well. But that's actually led to Murphy being out of the lineup here and there so far uh, this season. But now Murphy should see the bulk of the playing time for however long Darno is out, but uh, given Darno's history, maybe it'll be a little longer than what we usually see. Hard to predict right now. Uh, you just hope Darno can get back out there. But uh, I've seen a number of fantasy managers asking why Murphy isn't playing if he was such a big investment this offseason. So uh, at least Mur- Murphy should be in the lineup on a more regular basis. Yeah, I see Murphy four starts in the last six games, which – Honestly, with the exception of like the the JT Real Mutos and the Will Smiths, I, I don't know how many catchers are going to play. All, Dalton Voshos, you know, not a catcher really anymore. I don't yeah. know how how much more you can expect. I mean, I, I guess you'd like him to play six or five games. You know, you get four. Now that playing time will bump up to the point he's probably going to play eighty five or ninety percent of the time, and the bat's good enough that maybe it plays as a DH when he's not behind the plate. But um, as you mentioned, Darno has this tra- this concussion history, so it's interesting to see what the timetable will be. The Braves kind of their tail between their legs. They get knocked around pretty good by the Padres in that four game series, okay. showcasing some of their flaws. And this is a team I have going you know, winning the whole the whole thing. I had them uh, winning the World Series this year, but uh, they didn't look great this week, and, and they lose Darno. And you know we know their Juan Grissom is now a long term project for for them, and didn't break the camp with them with the team. So the Braves. I, I still think, man, I wish I had Acuna anywhere I could. And, you know, Olsen is, I think, yep. going to be great this year. Austin Ryan mm-hmm. at the top three looks really good. But it's, it's interesting how that offense all of a sudden looks a little bit top-heavy. When I thought before the season, one to nine, it was going to be a monster. Yeah, totally agree. Staying in the NL East, we also saw Francisco Alvarez make his way back to the majors over the weekend after Omar Narvaez hit the injured list with a medium to high grade strain of his left calf. It's probably going to cost uh, Narvaez like two months. Initially, Narvaez thought it was like a very minor thing before he went for the MRI. But uh, yeah, it turns out that it's going to be a long-term absence. So Alvarez arrived sooner than we thought he would. Uh, certainly more of a finished product offensively than he is behind the plate. We'll be interested to see how he works with this veteran staff Verlander Scherzer, but also Kode Senga, his first season in the States. Maybe we see uh, Tomas Nino paired with Senga more often than not. He's worked well with him so far. But still, if Alvarez is up, he's going to play a bunch, whether it's behind the plate or out of the DH spot, some sort of mix there. The Mets need Alvarez's bat, too, especially against left-handed pitching where they have been vulnerable over the past year and a half, really. They need another impact bat from the right side. The power potential as well. They're a little short on power. I don't know. I I think in a 12-team mixed league, he's kind of fringy as a catcher. But it wouldn't shock me if in short order he's like a must-start as a catcher. But I don't know. Off the bat, probably, I don't know. It's a judgment call to me. Yeah, I struggled with that. I wrote a pickups column 
for Yahoo on Friday, and that coincided with this whole news breaking on Thursday. And I told my editor, uh, Mauricio Castillo, Mauricio Castillo, I said, you know, I'm going to put Alvarez in here, but I don't make it clear. I'm not banging the table saying everybody has to yep. add him because yep. I don't know how quickly he, he obviously didn't play. Alvarez didn't play Friday or Saturday. And yep. we know the defensive. It, it's not just that he's finished product offensively and he's not a finished product defensively, but he plays one of the few positions on defense that everybody cares about. Right. I mean, if you can hit, if, if he were like, just like a left fielder or something, they'd live with this defense. Right. Yep. But if you can't, play reliable defensive catcher, that's a problem. And that's going to, the pitchers aren't going to like that. And that's something the team has to consider. So I'm curious to see, and, and, and you know, the Mets closer than I do just, is he profile as somebody who's going to stay a catcher? Is he somebody who's eventually going to be a DH or a first baseman? How much of a deficiency do you think he is behind the plate? Also, I want to mention there are several formats where Alvarez is utility only. And Yahoo is one of those yep. formats because it's based on once a player comes up into the majors and plays some games, that determines his positional eligibility for the next season. Now, the good news is Alvarez only needs five starts in season, or maybe it's five appearances, five games played in season, a catcher to get the tag. So for everybody who's, you know, bombing me on Twitter saying, well, how come he's not a catcher eligible? He will be in about a week or so. It's not going to take a right. long time. But I don't – it's just weird that a player with this kind of offensive profile comes up, and usually it's like, okay, man, we're all pounding the table for it. I don't know how much he's going to play. Not that he's yeah. going to play once a week. I, I don't mean that, but – I could see it being 50-50. Or I could even see him being be like be getting three starts in a seven-game week. And I'd be careful with this one. I, I did not I did pick him up in one league just for FOMO reasons. Like, well, if he goes nuts, at least I got him one team. But right. in other leagues where I could have made a two-handed shove, I didn't do it. I think Nito's gonna play a lot behind the Me plate. Too. Um because especially this year where base runners are you know running like crazy. The Marlins stole five bases yesterday with Alvarez behind the plate. Alvarez has a good arm, so that's not really the issue. It's just a lot easier to run these days than, it, than it's been in the past. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I don't think the, the Mets are in any way – I wouldn't say in any way, but they, they know it's, he's 21 years old. You know, he's still, he's still learning. It's not to say that he, he can't stick there. But Nito is so good defensively and works really well with these pitchers. He's going to play. I think that Alvarez will probably split his time between catcher and the DH spot, maybe evenly. He'll make two or three starts a week behind the plate, two or three starts, you know, in the DH spot. Tommy Pham still there who could DH as well. Uh, Daniel Vogelback is still there too. He's going to DH a lot. So it's not a slam dunk. He's going to be in the lineup every day. So, yeah, I would say in a 12-team mixer, you, you can maybe wait and see. I, I have a feeling that, uh, you might be a little bit disappointed on a daily basis that he might not be on the lineup card. Uh, but let's get into some of these hot starts that we have seen. Again, just a week and a half into the season, so we don't want to overreact. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Wander Franco definitely giving me FOMO right now. Uh, hitting 351, four homers, nine RBIs. Again, the, the competition, not great, but uh, reminding us all why just about a year ago we were like, he could be an MVP candidate. Matt Chapman, 475, <laughs> two homers, 14 RBIs. Brian Reynolds, 405, five homers, 14 RBIs. And I want to mention Jordan Walker here too. Nine-game hitting streak to begin his career, hitting 353, two homers, eight RBIs. So out of these four, Franco, Chapman, Reynolds, Walker, who do you wish you would have uh, more coverage of on your rosters? It's definitely the first and the last guy you mentioned, Franco and Walker, who are both going to check that same box, right? At one point, Franco was the, I think, the highest, highest regarded prospect in baseball, and Walker was certainly high up on the prospect list, and he announced his potential in spring training. And it was interesting when a guy like Walker comes up 20 years old, we know the way teams usually handle these things. If Walker had gotten off to a really poor start, you know, he was three for 37 or something. It just gives the team an excuse to say, okay, he needs some seasoning. He's putting pressure on himself. Let's send him down the AAA and then let him go bang up things there because he's off to such a good start. And man, he looks the part too. I talked about how O'Neill Cruz, you can just identify him. Even if you knew nothing about baseball, I think Jordan Walker is that type of guy too. Now I'm thinking, when does he move up in the lineup? I know the Cardinals have yeah. a deep lineup, but Jordan Walker is not made to bat eighth all season. I think eventually that's going to correct itself. In the case of Franco, and again, we, again, we talked about they, they played three really weak teams, but whatever. They, you still get to hit the ball. And it's not like everybody else you know, bats 400 against those guys. The, the question with, with Franco has always been category juice. It's like, well, okay, maybe he'll win a batting title, but how many home runs are you getting? Is he interested in running? I know his two steals came early in the season. He hasn't run much lately, although you don't run a lot when you hit home runs. And I think he has three home runs in his last four games. I don't think I have Franco anywhere, and that's and that's killing me because it, it looks like – and again, I talked about the, the, the infield being you know, shortstop maybe being a deeper position in the preseason. So a lot of times I just saw guys at different price points that made more sense yeah, to me. And now I'm thinking, I think I missed the boat on Franco. I want to mention on Chapman still doesn't turn 30 until the end of this month. And he's always been a guy who had power and the batting average would be like in the 235, 245 range. I think his career average is 243 or something like that. We know he's got that great defense. I've always liked Chapman. He's a guy I didn't draft because it just seemed like other third baseman around his price. I liked more, but and again, yep. I don't want to radically change my opinion of Matt Chapman from nine games, but he's just a good baseball player who I, I can easily see. You know, when your career average is 243, that means everybody's afraid. Oh, no, what if he hits 225? Well, what if he hits 255 or 260? That's mm-hmm. in the range of reasonable outcomes, too. We know yep. the power is going to play. We know he's in a good lineup. So I, I wish I had some Chapman. The case of Brian Reynolds, I, I wonder, what do you think the odds are that he's a pirate on August 1st? 50-50, 60-40? I mean, uh, he's somebody who they've looked to, to – 
extend long term. I'm not sure if he's interested in staying in Pittsburgh. Obviously, every player is competitive. At some point, maybe they want to go to a contender. He's their most interesting trade piece. So I wonder if he's on a different team in the middle of the year. Actually, we we're trying to make a trade for Reynolds. We we're offering Dansby Swanson to a team that really likes Dansby Swanson. But unfortunately, Reynolds has gotten off to such a hot start. They just put yeah. two hands around Reynolds. They don't want to move him. But I'm just curious if how much longer he's on the Pirates. So uh, the, the least uh, the latest reporting here on Reynolds was that there was contract negotiations up until opening day. The sort of snag was that uh, Reynolds wanted an opt out, and the Pirates kind of, you know, they that was the end of that. You know, that's kind of the the holdup as as far as it currently stands. It seems like negotiations are still happening. So maybe they still agree to an extension in season. You usually don't see a lot of that. So I wonder if it starts to cool a bit here. Uh, but I think the hot start that Reynolds has been off to might just underscore to the Pirates. And especially with the O'Neill Cruz injury, like, hey, let's give the fans like something to be excited about. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Reynolds actually has the highest barrel rate among qualified hitters right now, 29.3%. So pretty much everything he's hitting is a rocket right now. Matt Chapman is actually second at 25%. Uh, so, you know, they're earning what they're doing so far, but you're, you're right. I think I'd rather have Wander Franco too. And I think the way my, my drafts unfolded, at least as far as I remember right now, I have way too many teams, so I can't remember, but I think what, if I didn't get a shortstop early, you know, the first like, five rounds or so i waited a long time so that would usually skip over franco who wasn't giving me a lot of category juice i didn't think there was a ton of separation between like a franco and a nico horner who would still give me steals and double digit homers so i probably skipped over franco in a lot of a lot of leagues and didn't get a lot of coverage there so uh, i do maybe wish i had had him at least somewhere uh so lesson lesson learned there with franco Let's go to some pitchers who are on the rise here. And we've talked about Kodai Senga. Had another really good start uh, this weekend against the Marlins. Uh, Nick Lodolo dominated against the Phillies on Saturday. Unfortunately, the Reds blew the win for him against the Phillies in the ninth. Uh, Chris Bubich dominated the Giants on Sunday. Like, ridiculous numbers here. Uh, nine strikeouts, no walks, over six scoreless innings, allowed just two hits, 19 whiffs, led the league in whiffs on Sunday. I don't think you would have guessed that one. Also had a really good start against the Blue Jays in his season debut. Sonny Gray struck out a career-high 13 batters against the Astros on Friday. Uh, maybe the Astros aren't as you know fearsome as they you know have been in the past, but still very impressive outing. Seth Lugo had another good start against the Braves on Sunday. Bunch of names here I'm throwing at you, Scott. But of these names, which one is kind of raising the profile for you? And maybe you would have bumped up a bit more. Again, we're only seeing like two starts from these guys. But I think we have some data from these starts to, you know, start to make some, you know, takeaways from this. I got to be honest. I mean, if I were walking to a draft, Today, I'd have all of them ranked higher than I would have two or three weeks ago. You yeah. think of Senga, when you, you look at a Japanese player, somebody who didn't play in, in MLB, you, you especially somebody who comes from a different culture, right? You think about how quickly do they adjust, how quickly do they become familiar in their surroundings and get used to the different things, the different shape of the game, the different size of the ball and all that stuff. 
And when a player like Senga, who had the pedigree and, and who got the contract that he did, when he pitches as well as he has for two games, like, oh, wow, Senga's legit. Man, did the, did the Mets need him with Verlander? Hurt, Scherzer had a poor start to the season. So he's really stepped up. And as you mentioned, I would not be surprised if Nito becomes his personal catcher because they work well together. But he's somebody who I would draft proactively for sure. And I'm wondering, I like Hunter Green a lot, but maybe yeah. Nicodolo. Maybe Nicodolo is going to be the ace of the staff eventually. I, I think they're a one and one A. And yeah. what do you look for? What makes a dominant pitcher? We're looking at strikeouts. We're looking at swings and misses. And Lodolo, he's a guy who, if he just has to come over the heart of the plate with his stuff and say, here it is, hit it. He can do that. That's he throws that hard. He's got that much movement. Uh, he's somebody really fun. It's frustrating as you mentioned, he lost the game on Saturday when the bullpen gave it away. But he's been dominant, and I'm thrilled. I have at least one share of him. I, I wish I had more of it. In the case of Bubich, I you know I had a chance to stream him in a head-to-head game where I desperately needed a win or some strikeouts on the weekend, and I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. And then he pitched great, and it really stung me. I didn't get a chance to see much of it. So if, if you have some background on, on Boobage, I'm interested to see it. But again, the strikeouts were there. It's hard to get behind the Royals. They're one of the weakest teams in baseball, but I'm open-minded that maybe I was wrong on him. With Seth Lugo, we've always wanted to see what he could do as a starter. He's got good infrastructure in San Diego. I like the offense. I think he'll be supported by a decent defensive team. The bullpen looks good with Josh Hader off to a good start. I was kind of nervous about Hader into the season. It seems like that's kind of a mistake that I, I should regret now, but it's funny too. Somebody um, actually asked me a question. They said, Seth Lugo, he's still in the rotation, right? And before I had a chance to answer it, Seth Lugo's mom actually chimed in with, yes, he's still in the, in the rotation. I said, well, that's, that's the best source I got. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I can't top Seth Lugo's mom. So uh, in, encouraging to see him get off to a good start. And again, you would, I would take a Lugo over a Bubich, say, because I want to invest on the better team, right? I want the better infrastructure. That's a big thing to me. Yeah, but if you're, Some people may be making a choice between guys like that. I'm always going to lean towards that better team. But Lugo's always had the knockout stats and relief. We know that doesn't translate. Starting is a different thing. You have to pace yourself a little bit. You're going to go around the order maybe three times. But I like what I've seen from Lugo so far. And Lugo has the arsenal too. He was never your typical reliever. Like he had it. If he wanted to tap into it, it was there. And he's always wanted this opportunity. So, you know, let's see if he runs with it. Certainly with Joe Musgrove got pushed back his his rehab start. Not a not a huge setback or anything. I think it's a very minor thing, like his back or something. So, but still that buys another week for the, you know, the Padres to sort all this out. Um, so we'll see. Michael Waka had a good start. Like they have options in this rotation. So there might be some time, and especially with a guy with, like Lugo who hasn't thrown a ton of innings, there might be a stretch where he's back in the bullpen. We'll see. Uh, injuries always sort things out too, but uh, something to watch there with Lugo. Bubich is just a different pitcher right now. Uh, the velocity is up a tick from last season so far. Uh, the changeup is looking really good as well with, with some different movement on it, different shape of these pitches. He's also throwing a new slider, which looks really good as well. It's early, so sometimes we see these kind of velocity surgers. It starts to go down a little bit. We'll see if he can hold all this right now. He also has the Braves up next. So even if you pick him up off waivers, are you starting him against the Braves? I, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? But is he someone maybe, you, you know, it's a speculative ad and kind of see where this goes? Maybe. Uh, Bubich is only rostered in 7% of Yahoo League, so he's basically free if you want to take a shot. Um, let's say you've been frustrated with Carlos Carrasco, you know, speaking from the Mets' perspective, his velocity's way down. And is this just one of those things where he's building arm strength or is he hurt? 
who knows? But if you're frustrated enough, I could see maybe swapping Carrasco out for Bubich and kind of see where this leads. So yeah, I could see that um, too. I, you know, you mentioned the changeup too. I always love when I hear a pitcher is being successful with this changeup because that means you have a way to get out batters with the platoon disadvantage, right? You, yep. you always that's always a struggle. That's a big difference between why some guy may be a starter, some guy might be a reliever, or some guy might be a four or five starter, some guy might be no, you know, somebody who would start a playoff game. Can you get the opposite-handed batters out? And a changeup is a great way to do that. So uh, we're going to get to some fab bids from the weekend. Before we do, remember, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. So fab bids over the weekend. I was uh, kind of all over the place here. I, I definitely had some big bids out. Didn't get, didn't get everyone, but I did get Matt Veerling in uh, Tout Wars. Last week was Trace Thompson. Didn't really do much over the past week. I still have him on my roster, but I got Matt Veerling. I'm still looking for that extra outfield help. I think he can. There's some category juice there. Got him in Tout Wars. Got him in TGFBI. I think the, the most interesting thing, and you know, there's there's a bunch of TGFBI leagues out there, but Grayson Rodriguez was a free agent in my TGFBI league. He we have a thousand dollar budget in in Fab for this league. Grayson Rodriguez went for four hundred and forty four, almost fifty percent of uh, this manager's budget. Uh, Chris Bubich went for one hundred and two. Uh, Brian Anderson went for eighty four. I got Brian Bayo for forty. And I, I stayed in my case on Bayo last week. Uh, so Grayson Rodriguez for 444, Brian Bayo for 40. So I was I was pretty thrilled about that. It's probably going to be another week before we see Bayo up in the majors. And you don't have uh, IL spots in, in TGFBI. So you know waiting on a pitcher like this can be a little bit tough. Uh, but I was I was happy to get Bayo uh, in that league, and you know we'll see where that leads. Any interesting stuff in in your league, Scott? Yeah, let me first touch on Grayson Rodriguez. This underscores to me the importance of trying to buy at the bottom of the market as opposed to the top of the market, you know, to yeah. try to hold a player like that. Now, granted, you, you weren't sure if somebody would get hurt in Baltimore. It's still not even clear if he's with the team long term. He, he could, True. as crazy as it sounds, he could still be in the minors in a couple of weeks. But yep. obviously in a 15-team league, you want to win. You want to be aggressive. I, I get why people we're doing the two-handed shove on Rodriguez. There's no question about the talent, but it, it's the idea that you want to get him at your price, not at the market price, um, which is I fell into the market price problem in labor, 15-team mixed league, where the best player by far was Brian Anderson, who I wish I had picked up a week earlier. I was shocked nobody picked him up. So yeah. that's a in – the, in that league, the cap is $100, and there's no $0 bids. Like in TGFBI, there's no $0 bids. Right. So you have a limited amount of resource. I decided to push 15 it turns out nobody else went into double digits. I think eight or nine might have been. A lot of people bid on him, but only you know seven, eight, nine, a couple of lower bids. So mixed feelings. I wanted Anderson. He fits on my team. He qualifies a couple different positions. I know we talked about him last week, but you know I wish I had the the sense that maybe bid ten or eleven, I would have saved a few dollars, which matters there. Right. A player I picked up in one league who's nineteen percent rostered in Yahoo is, is Trevor Larnack, who's playing a lot for the Twins. He's he's a guy who. His first, second, third against all right-handed pitching. I think he's batting leadoff today, and he's still just 26. He's, he's a first-round pick. 
He was somebody who's had injury problems the last couple of years. I, I could see him maybe being just one of those sneaky late developing players. I'm surprised his roster yep. tag is a little bit higher. Now, a player who's close to 50% Yahoo, a guy who I was drafting late in a lot of leagues, and then sometimes when I saw something shinier, I dropped him, was Anthony DiScafani. Last year, mm, ru- season ruined by an ankle injury. He's healthy now. The Giants have done that pitching voodoo thing so many times in the past. DiScafani two years ago was really good. He's had yep. a couple of good starts. In one of my hometown leagues where the top bid you can make in any week is $30, that's $30 of real money. Uh, one of the good players in our league pushed the 30 and I, and I kind of wish, man, I, I thought Disco was on our team. I, you talk about being in a lot of leagues. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out who I have where and everything. I'm not yes, sure if I realized yes. DiScafani was available in that league, but uh, there's a missed opportunity because I feel like he already should have been on my roster. Yeah, it's interesting in my uh, NL-only uh, labor league. So I did bid on Nelson Cruz over the weekend. He was still out there, surprisingly. Uh, he went for 15, though. Um, so I had to get my uh, fall back here. And I actually, I you know, I was missing uh, Derek Hall got hurt. Uh, we hadn't talked about this on this, sh- on this show, but he tore a thumb ligament. Uh, he's going to be out for a couple of months. The Phillies are actually moving Alec Baum to... Alec Bohm to first base for a while. He's going to get the primary at bats there at first base against the right-handers. Uh, we're going to see Edmundo Sosa at third base. I think that's the right call, like defensively for this mm-hmm. infield, and they'll reevaluate over time. Uh, so, yeah, I ended up getting Tim LaCastro for a dollar, which I'm okay with because when Tim LaCastro enters a game, he's going to run. Like he's going to try to steal some bases. So, even if I'm not getting a lot of at-bats out of that spot, he still could maybe give me a little bit of value you know, around the fringes of my roster. So that's the kind of stuff you have to do in an NL-only or AL-only uh, league to extract value. I was actually kind of happy with that one. Yeah, I can see that. Becca Poorman's John Birdie. And if you're in a mixed league, be careful with Nelson Cruz because it looks like right now he's just going to play against left-handed pitching. I yep. realize why you would want him in an NL-only league, but I'm not sure he carries mixed league value right now. Right. Yep. And Rodolfo Castro was a good pickup in, mm-hmm. in NL only as well. If you jumped on that, that uh, made a lot of sense. I'm trying to see who actually got him here. Uh, he did go for, wait, he might already be rostered actually. But yeah, I, we talked about it earlier with O'Neill Cruz. I think if you're in a deeper mix, I, I think Rodolfo Castro is a, is a pretty solid pickup. So, and he qualifies. I think right now he qualifies in second base and third base. So it might be a little while for Castro to get that shortstop eligibility, but certainly valuable uh, in a deeper uh, mixed league. Uh, so, Scott, Wednesday's show, we will cover waiver wire uh, pickups out there, our waiver wire Wednesday show. You got tested on our pitch clock. <laughs> for the first time on Wednesday. This time, it'll be my turn, and you get to make the pick. So I look forward to seeing how that turns out. Yeah, it's going to be a blast turning the tables on you. And uh, obviously, waiver wire work is a fundamental part of fantasy success. So we'll try to get you set up on Wednesday. Absolutely. Make sure to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care. We'll see you next time.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.